Good evening to you and welcome. Hi, Ayabonga. Thank you so much for having me and good evening to all the listeners. So let me start off, uh, I guess, before we get into the business itself and uh, what you've managed to do here in uh, being able to raise the, this uh, amount of money uh, to scale your operation. Uh, let's take a step back. I mean, uh, what uh, inspired uh, this particular choice uh, of uh, enterprise activity? Uh, because there's always a story uh, behind the why of why your businesses exist. So let's maybe start off with that. Thank you. That's so true. They say the most successful businesses are the business with the purpose and with the story. And I think we're very much foundational on that. For me personally, it's all about experience. So I'm a medical doctor by training. Mm. I studied six years at UCT for my undergrad. I did my conserve and internship, loved working. And as I began to move into the workplace um, and really try to establish a private practice, Two things became very obvious. A, it was very expensive to start a practice into private medicine. And I had really uh, poor preparation. Uh, after six years of medical school, you work out with great uh, skills as a clinician, but mm. you're not empowered with the business know-how, the savviness, you know, and how to really manage a practice. And so with that, it became obvious as a team at English Healthcare, we isolated the four barriers to private practice, which mm. was, you know, capital required to set up from tables, chairs, medical equipment. You know, Boyanga sitting with, you know, thousands required and sometimes millions just for equipment. And then operating expenses with potentially a very low patient base. Again, not having any business experience about legal you know, requirements for practice and registration requirements. And then also, commonly, it's difficult to gain theater access and admission rights, mm-hmm. which in layman's terms would be the ability to admit a patient in hospital care because there's a lot of anti-competitive behavior in a very um, small sector within the private space. Um, so really, my personal story is that, you know, I'd been there, I had done that, I teamed up with some colleagues whom uh, we had worked together at med school, Jason MacArthur and Nicolina Bordeaux. And together we then developed this, you know, Airbnb-like model for doctors uh, to develop themselves to address yeah. all those barriers. Okay. Nicola, let's pause there for a second and I guess maybe uh, try and highlight and underscore uh, how important uh, all of the uh, business elements uh, to uh, uh, specialists or even general practitioners that are trying to open up in private practice. Uh, One of the reports here suggesting that the cost of rent and admin can typically come up to about 60% of the revenue that goes to general practitioners and specialists. So so this is not just, you know, some sideshow or a nice to have or a non-essential. It's uh, at times very critical to the livelihood of many of these professionals. No, definitely. I think, you know, Outside of the capital required just to start out, you're looking at, you know, fixed expenses like your sublease for your rent, mm. which usually are sitting in commercial spaces. You require payroll for your receptionist, your bookkeeper, um, your, your billings person. You're then sitting with medical requirements based on what sort of specialist you are and then consumables. On average, it's about 40 if you're super established and successful. And usually for those who are starting out, it's 60% of your revenue to just cover your operating expenses. And then you realize there's very little flexibility there because these are fixed expenses. No matter how many patients you're seeing, you're still stuck with the same cost. Mm. So it provides an environment where 
you have to be very successful and have a lot of time available. So being part-time or, you know, being a mother or having diverse interests or wanting to diversify your portfolio becomes very expensive to have a practice. Uh-huh. An average practice takes about two to five years of growth phase just to have a very good patient base which is very difficult and unfortunately uh, poorly explained to many of our practitioners across the board, mm. GP specialists, and even your allied health, such as um, dietitians and your speech therapists mm. across the board. Mm. Let's talk about the mechanics now, uh, you know, how this works. Because uh, in essence here, what uh, you guys are, are doing is to match uh, professionals who you know quite well because they are many of your own counterparts, uh, <laughs> matching those professionals with uh, I guess underutilized consulting rooms and space in uh, all of these larger, med- uh, you know, medical centers in the private sector space. Um, you know, so talk to me about how that matching happens and uh, where the technology fits into that process, uh, and how that has enabled and made this particular model much more cost-effective and also quite attractive to investors. Thank you. Perfect. So I think the easiest way I want to start is to think of it conceptually as an Airbnb model. So what we do is we approach facilities that already have existing capacity. So, Mm -hmm. you know, how you save money there is to essentially not reinvent the wheel. So we go ahead, we sublease the facilities. On average, we try to look at, you know, four consecutive hours to try and make it workable sessions for our practitioners. So we go ahead, we sign on the lease that already reduces two of our barriers, no capex, no opex. And then what we do is we match practitioners who are either trying to establish themselves or have previously been established but require some flexibility or Mm. might have financial constraints. We then take them through a really rigorous uh, 16-step registration process. And this is where really the technology comes in. So you have your online facility calendars where doctors can pick their uh, facilities that they want for their sessions. And then you also then start to teach doctors to really use healthcare in a very um, digital, slick and tech savvy way. So we introduce them to using electronic medical records. So mm. no longer does a doctor have to worry about where they practice because they need their files. Sure. You know, as you know, we would term it's all in the cloud these days. Mm. So we promote electronic medical records. We put them on a online billing system. We give them very slick medical gateways. So uh, their, their payment solutions are at a click of a button. They can send their patient an SMS from their online diary that enables them to, you know, pay via SnapScan or MasterPass or a, a payment link as if they were shopping online. And then furthermore, we give them a digital diary. So the doctor via their iPhone or Android phone or tablet or even a laptop. So any everything we do is browser-based to enable the doctor essentially to be able to practice wherever they want to practice. Mm. And then furthermore, because you now don't have your rent and now you have your entire practice uh, sitting digitally in the cloud, you also then make use of our unique head office receptionist services. You no longer have to have someone whom you're paying on payroll or you have to be accountable for in your facility. You instead make use of our head office receptionists who have all our practitioner profiles. Mm-hmm. And every day, as if you had your functioning practice, they'll be answering your phone, okay. um, emails, WhatsApp, online booking in real time by our website on www.ingresshealthcare.co.za. So we really are making technology um, and healthcare accessible, easy to use 
for the doctors and also for their patients. Okay. Dr. Kata, let's pause there for a second and uh, also invite some of our listeners uh, who might want to weigh in or have some questions for you uh, to give us a ring on 089-110-3377. You can send through some of the tweets on at MetroFMSA. Use the hashtag MetroFMTalk. And when we come back, I want us to take a look at, uh, I guess, how do you price a service like this? And uh, uh, I'm sure you must have uh, quantified this, but what then becomes the cost saving? Uh, because uh, and oftentimes people want to see the counterfactual. If I, I don't go the traditional route uh, uh, with all of the overheads and the fixed costs that that implies, what would the cost saving of ingress then be? And then we'll also touch on uh, the uh, uh, round of uh, uh, fundraising and investments uh, that uh, seemingly has gone off uh, quite successfully. Six million in the bag now and uh, in total 11 million uh, raised since uh, this company was founded and we'll continue with Dr. Nokolo Kata after this. Tech Conversation. Tech Conversation on Metro FM Talk. 24 minutes it is now after 8 p.m. It's our Tech Conversations this evening here on the Metro FM Talk here on the Mighty Metro with myself, Ayabonga Kawe. I'm joined uh, uh, on the line by uh, Dr. Nokolo Kata, co-founder of uh, Ingress. And uh, yeah, Ingress Healthcare, that's the name of the company. We're speaking to them uh, as, in, as part of our Tech Conversations. And I certainly hope we haven't lost uh, Dr. Nokolo there. Uh, so uh, let's try and reestablish her on a much better line. As we try and uh, get uh, uh, Dr. Kata back on the line there, just to give you a sense, uh, I guess, of the uh, success of this particular entity and being able to uh, raise uh, some uh, cash here. They've just raised 6 million rand uh, from 11 investors under a group called Pegasus, and uh, which has also invested alongside Enzo Equity, which is a Cape Town-based uh, uh, investor there, founded by Anthony Newbury. And uh, interesting model here, performing something quite similar uh, to an Airbnb platform. And uh, I guess uh, we'll uh, be able to reconnect with her uh, shortly here. But uh, as I said earlier on, cumulatively uh, over the uh, uh, period of the founding of this entity, they've managed to raise 11 million rand already. And uh, if we can, uh, I guess, get our lines back in sync uh, with everything else, we might be able to ask Dr. Kata, uh, uh, not only just about the cost savings, but uh, what uh, that 11 million has been deployed to do and maybe where the biggest costs were because you might want to set up something similar and you might want to find out, uh, uh, you know, how far can 11 million rand take you if you want to scale an intervention like this. Uh, I think uh, the lines certainly not uh, uh, showing us any favor this evening and uh, not showering any favor on us. Uh, I hope uh, we have uh, the doctor back. And uh, we'll have to see. We'll have to see shortly. I think I didn't do it as long, so uh, we'll uh, have to uh, move swiftly along. Now, uh, I wanted to talk to you guys about something, and uh, you know, it's quite interesting uh, how many of us, uh, uh, you know, we stay up during this period of the lockdown. And uh, we hope that uh, in the, you know, the wee hours of the evening, we'll be able to catch a press conference by uh, U.S. President Donald Trump. Now, I must tell you, uh, two things have certainly emerged for me in uh, all of the uh, sessions I've managed to catch uh, since this uh, challenge started uh, across the world. And uh, the first is that, you know, the, the likes of Professor Fauci uh, in the United States shows that uh, the national system of innovation in the U.S. has been able uh, to produce world-class medical officials, world-class virologists and epidemiologists who are able to articulate and explain to the public, uh, you know, the behavior, the trends, 
and of course the form and the shape that this virus is taking on in the US. Similar uh, to uh, Dr. Salim Abdul Karim here in South Africa, uh, who many of you would know, uh, who was on our screens uh, you know, a few days ago, were sharing with us some insights on uh, uh, the impact of the lockdown, how much time it's been able to uh, uh, you know, buy up.